Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today's Gospel is a passage from the Gospel of St. Luke that tells us about the shrewd uh, steward, or the dishonest steward in chapter 16 of St. Luke, just before the passage of uh, the raising of Lazarus, or rather not raising of Lazarus, but on um, the rich man and Lazarus. This is part of the passages that have to do with the last things. And, and so in today's uh, gospel, we are told that there was a rich man who had a, a steward and uh, charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And he called him and said, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the, an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be my steward. And the steward said to him, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that people may receive me into their houses when I am put out of the stewardship. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. So he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Well, the master commended the dishonest steward for his prudence, for the sons of the world are wiser in their own generations than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, it may receive you into the eternal habitations. It's interesting how the Lord here commends or even practically praises this this unjust steward who actually ends up cheating his master. He, the, the guy owes him 100 barrels of oil and he, he gets 50 and he keeps the rest for himself. The, the, guy was pretty, uh, the guy was pretty smart, right? He was shrewd. And so it's, it's an odd teaching, um, especially in a gospel that is so radically focused on detachment from material goods, yet this guy... Well, he, he seems to have obtained wealth in an immoral way, and our Lord seems to, to quote him uh, approvingly. And, um, and so, well, perhaps our Lord wants us to see that this steward, what has he done? Well, he has taken a hard look at his situation. He can't dig, he can't beg. He looks at his situation. He knows what he can't, can and cannot do. And so he... He decides with resolve, he takes action, he knows his weakness, he makes a very honest assessment of himself, and he decides uh, to act. Our Lord is not approving his dishonesty, but he is approving his self-knowledge, his, uh, his, 
ability to recognize his weakness. And therefore, this is an occasion for us to examine ourselves and to have that same attitude of honesty with ourselves as this steward did. Not that we go and, and, and be dishonest and, uh, and obtain money immorally as this guy did, but he wanted to renew the relationships around him. He, it's as though our Lord wants us to take stock of our own weaknesses and to make a firm resolution uh, to acquire the necessary strength to fix those weaknesses, to take action as this guy did. So that means that we have to be ready when we are called to the Master because one day we will be called to the Master and we will have to give an account of how we lived our life, how we made use of our of our talents, of our time, we will have to give an account of everything. And, and what is commendable about this guy is that he did it right away. He made a resolution right away. And he acted. There was a famous uh, Spanish priest in the 1700s, or rather in the 1600s, in the province of Navarre. His name was Pedro... Auxular, and he wrote a book in Basque, and it was titled Gerro, Gerro, which means later, later, or después in Spanish, and it became a very popular little book about piety, but it was about the Christian life, the practice of the Christian life, but that title, later. And in this book, this author, Pedro Auxular, warned his reader of the danger of leading, leaving for later the most important aspects of life, that is, to procrastinate for later. And so he, he went on to speak today of that later. And he spoke about it not as a later, but as a hereafter. What will happen later is not happening right now, but what will happen hereafter well, is our death. And that's why the Church uses this month of November to help us focus and take responsibility of the reality of our own death, like this unjust steward, so that be, we be ready. Not, not later, but now. Really, this book, Jero, in Basque, Jero, is really about the eschaton, that is, the, the life after the last things which the Church wants us to reflect on, in particular during this month of, uh, of November, and to kind of to, to get ready for Advent. Advent will be like a time of penance, a preparation for Christmas, which is the coming of Jesus, and, and it's good to think about death. I think the other day, I remember going to the U of T campus, and I saw a big pile of wreaths for the fallen. That's in preparation for November 11th. And uh, there, was all, there were all these names on the walls. And many of those names, are, well, they all had no doubt fallen courageously. But they were real soldiers. They were real medics. They were nurses. They were people that fought, most of them, as I understand, in the First World War. But where are they now? Where are they now, those names? It's a, it's a big wall. You can see all those names. Where are they now? Are they with God? 
Are they being purified? And we place that wreath down there. Well, we offer prayers for them so that they, if they are indeed in, in purgatory, that they be rushed there, that they be purified by means of our prayer because they can no longer pray for themselves. They've had that time. That time was during this life. And so if we think of Advent as the coming or, or as a time of commemorating the first coming, it's, it's also about his, really, his second coming. But either way, we will really have to see his face if we die, when we die. As St. Josemaria says in the way, have you seen the dead leaves fall in the sad autumn twilight? Thus souls fall each day into eternity. One day the falling leaf will be you. And one day the falling leaf will be you. In fact, walking around the campus, walking around the streets on a beautiful day like today, and seeing those leaves, it's not, it's not terribly sad. It's, there's something beautiful about seeing those leaves fall, the colors and so forth. But it's true that one day that falling leaf will be you and me. And if, we, if a falling leaf seems to wither into nothingness, um, this is not our faith. Uh, we will not wither into nothingness. But Lord, I will be that leaf and I will end up in front of your majesty and I don't want to just fall away into nothingness. I will fall, but I will stand in front of your justice, in front of your, your judgment. Everything will be revealed. Everything will be made clear. Everything I've done, everything I've said. But, of course, there are still more things to do, still more things to say, still more ways to work that can be part of that history. You're writing your biography right now. You're writing a chapter right now in your biography. How that goes will be will be shown today and how you live the rest of the afternoon, how you do your prayer now. And so it's important that we reflect on this truth that our Lord taught us so clearly and that the church has often was so long maintained that we will be asked to give an account of our life like that unjust steward. What is this that I have heard about you? What is this? He will ask us about our use of time, how we made our talents, the grace, talents, talents, the graces that we have received, the very fact that we have faith, the very fact that you are here praying now, the Lord will ask us to give an account. The extent to which we protected our faith, the extent to which we safeguarded it, the extent to which we shared it, we maintained it, we made it grow. Because we are, well, we are prone to be suspicious about verdicts in human courts by a jury or by a judge. Sometimes you can choose a jury, sometimes you can choose a judge. Some cases lack evidence. There's nothing really to prove the innocence or the guilt. It's, it's just the prosecution that is able to, to make a, a compelling case. Even with closed-circuit cameras, if we have an image of somebody supposedly attacking somebody, but often it's not clear what were they doing. It's, it's blurry. and it's... But in front of God, there will be no jury. There'll be, well, there'll be a judge, but there'll be no weighing of evidence, no scales, 
no blurry videos. It'll be all high-definition video of our life. And then, there will be no jury, no judge, strictly speaking, because we will simply be drawn like a magnet to the absolute truth, the diaphanous light that will tell you everything about yourself. Or, you'll just naturally be repelled because your life, your will, your existence is in contradiction to that truth. And that's something we can decide right now. I don't want my life to be in contradiction with that truth. Pope Benedict said in an early audience, as we visit cemeteries to pray with affection and love for our loved ones who have passed away, we are called once again to renew our faith in eternal life with courage and with strength to live with this hope and testify testify it to the world. There's no nothingness behind this present life. There's no nothingness after we die. There's something. There's no nothingness. Meaning, there is something that from this side we are preparing for. And the way we enter into that other world or what happens to us there is determined by how we behave now. Our culture likes to suggest, no, don't worry, there's nothing. Do what you want. There's, no, there's nothing after. This is going to be lights out. This is going to be nothing. But those who say this need faith because they haven't been there yet. To say that there's nothing, how do you know that? Have you been to the other side? I remember hearing many, many years ago interviews on the radio. What do you think uh, about life after death? What do you think about life after death? People being asked, and most people said, yes, I hope I will go into heaven. You know, expressing hope in heaven. And then one guy just said, oh, after death, it's lights out. There's just pure nothingness. I die and there's just nothing. And there was a, like a quiet after, and it's as though, yeah, but like, how do you know that? <laughs> how do you know that, right? We know that there's something after because our Lord came back. And He's revealed to us that He's waiting for us. I have gone to prepare a place for you. So, it's a place that we have to face. We cannot just stay on the horizontal dimension of life, focusing only on, on the horizontal dimension can be very debilitating for us. Pope Benedict says we can't, we can't help fearing death to a certain degree, despite all the confidence of that loving God that, that, that He will not forsake us. The closer you come to His face, the more intensely you feel how much you may have done wrong, and then therefore how much you have to make up, make decisions to be better, to be holier. So let's ask our Blessed Mother uh, and St. Joseph, who is the patron of a happy death, to prepare us for that moment in which we will see our Lord and see our life with diaphanous clarity. Let's help ask our Blessed Mother and St. Joseph to help us prepare and help us, uh, help us 
to give us the courage to testify to the truth of life after death by helping others as well to prepare for it. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.